much love. Pink and purple and yellow and blue and a mouth that's crying out for lipstick too. Warhol's portrait of Gretzky. Pretty fucking sexy. It's episode 10, season five of Ravage Love. It's Hoxie Workman, of course. My favorite. Because we're doing art. We're, we're doing art. Art. We're doing art, art. art. And also, he, like, he is the Kevin Bacon of Canadian f- music. Like, everything relates back to him in some way. Oh, you know what? You're right. He's like, totally right. He's produced everybody mm-hmm. he's like had collabs with everybody he yeah he is the <laughs> kevin bacon of <laughs> canadian independent music or not indie music but like indie genre music but i am so excited for this week because our listeners don't know this but sometimes we come up with our themes together like things that come up that we want to explore sometimes it's one of us that suggests something and this week mm-hmm. was renee and as you all know, <laughs> Renee loves to pick shit out of left field. And so when she was like, how do you feel about the theme of just art? I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. I am dying to know what direction you took this in. Because <laughs> unsurprisingly, mine is mainstream, <laughs> middle of the road. And yours sounds like it's not going to be. And I'm so excited to find out what it is. Well, you seem really excited to share about your book. So why don't you get us rolling? I am excited to talk about my book because I want to give a shout out to my friend Isabel, who has recommended books for me in the past. She actually recommended The Rose, which is one of the books I read when we did our um, Greek mythology week. That book was Uh incredible. And so lovely Isabel bought me this book for Christmas, which was very sweet. And it is called Book Lovers by Emily Henry. And listeners who are maybe even just vaguely familiar with romance will probably be familiar with Emily Henry because she is blowing up right now. So this is her, she's had a few books, I think like five or six, but this is her third romance. And her other two are People We Meet on Vacation, which most people have seen or heard. It was all over. Um, And Beach Read. So the look and feel of the book is very much like what you would think a, you know, rom-com, chick lit, what like they called it in the 90s book would be. It just came out, came out in 2022. Um, It's uh, substantial. It's about almost 400 pages. And yeah, so it's chunky, but oh my God, it was so good. And this is probably a cliche at this point that she's possibly annoyed of hearing Emily Henry, but... This really is a perfect beach read. <laughs> and I see this like <laughs> as the woman who wrote a book called that, but like, oof. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a brief summary of the book, but I actually wanna delve into some of the themes that came up in the book and the things that I found really, really compelling. So first of all, okay, super well written. Like I'm talking like from the first sentence, I was like, ooh, like it's a page turner. So if you're looking for a book to just like devour, this is the one. So it's about Nora Stevens and Nora, Nora's mother was an actress and she called her Nora after the godmother of rom-coms herself, Nora Ephron. Um, But our Nora is a tough, hardworking book agent. She is a Peloton obsessed, high heel wearing, true New Yorker who... My fa- so growing up, I'm like that person, and growing up in my family because my family are like country bumpkins. They used to call me concrete and credit cards because I was I never fit in living in a rural small town. <laughs> so every the second they start talking about Nora, I'm like, oh, so concrete and credit cards. That's the energy. Love it. Um, and she is obsessed with books. Her sister's obsessed with books. Her mom used to take them out to bookstores all the time, and she just like grew up like she truly loves her job. But she also is living a bit of a cliche where she keeps getting dumped by men who leave her for these small town women. So you know when you watch those Hallmark movies about like the guy who goes to a small town and then realizes like, I don't want my high strung chain smoking fucking on the subway running 24 seven girlfriend back home who's bitchy and demanding. I want this laid back lady and some pigtails and some overalls who's just Mm. selling fucking zucchini at the supermarket. You know what I mean? Right, Um, right. 
that's her. Like, she's like, you know, every single one of those. And it's so self-referential. It's almost like breaking of the fourth wall. Like, she talks about how she's like, you know, when you watch those movies and there's like that fucking stuck up bitch in New York that he leaves her for and you never really find out what happens to her. But you're like, she's probably <laughs> miserable and eating dirty martinis. She's like, I'm her. I keep getting dumped for these fucking <laughs> small town chicks. Um, so she's kind of over it. Like, she's just like, whatever. But um, she gets dumped by the latest version of this um, as she's heading off to a meeting. And in the breakup, he's reminding her of this nickname that she has and that she hates, which is like that she's a shark. Um, and basically like, I don't even think you have any feelings at all. And re- meanwhile, it's not that she doesn't care that you got dumped. It's just, she's just like, this is what happens to me. Like, because I'm ambitious, because I do like living in the city. I constantly just get discarded when someone else comes along. So she's on the phone getting dumped, running to a meeting with an editor because she wants to pitch a book called Once in a Lifetime by a woman who it's the newest book from a woman who's already a very successful author. And so she's going to this coffee or to this restaurant to meet up with this editor. And his name is Charlie Lastra. And she's just a few minutes late, but he makes note of it. He's real grumpy. He keeps looking at his watch and he tells her that the book sucks. And she's really taken aback because she's like, but this is Daisy. Like, she's a big deal. And he's like, yeah, love her old shit. Hate this book. It's not going to sell. I don't want it. And then they end up having a very awkward dinner (laughs) and just drinking martinis in silence and just like stewing with each other and her being like, you're fucking wrong, dude. Like, this book is good and I know it. The book is about a small town. Um, and it's, I guess it's like quite quaint or whatever. They don't really get into the details of it, but she's like, I, I'm in my back. She's like, I know a winner when I see it. So she leaves there and is like, fuck this dude goes on to sell the book. It's fucking huge. It's got a cult following. And because it's set in this tiny little small town, um, Mm -hmm. it's also like, it's kind of like, remember when Schitt's Creek came out and everyone wanted to know where the motel was? Because people wanted yeah. to go and like take pictures and hipster and all that shit. Yeah. So she's just loving that her author is doing really well. And her sister Libby, meanwhile, is also in New York. She's real pregnant with her third kid. And she's starting to feel the dread of like, oh shit, I'm going to have more kids than I have arms and people in my house. Um, I'm going to be cooped up in my tiny New York apartment because we can't afford to move. I'm feeling real claustrophobic. And I'm obsessed with this new book that just came out. So she's like, how about we take a vacation, you and I, to the city, the little town in once in a lifetime? Like, let's just use that as an excuse to go to this, check out this little town that I'm like now super interested in knowing what it's actually about. And then you can take some time away from work and we can reconnect because they've been really, really close their whole lives. But especially when their mom passed away when she was 16 um, and Nora was 20. So like they're inseparable, but she's like, I can just feel this distance between us. And so this would be a great opportunity for us to come together. So they go to Sunshine Falls, North Carolina, which is the setting of Once in a Lifetime. And her sister's so excited to take this vacation, which like, you are a mother of three. You understand. If you had an <laughs> opportunity when you were pregnant with baby number three to get the fuck away from your family for a month and just like hang out with your... Well, sounds great. So she's 100%. rocking and she even makes a checklist of things that they must accomplish while they are there for the month, including things like getting a makeover, um, wearing plaid, like all these sort of funny, like small town cliched things. And also going on a date with a local because she's like, I'm convinced, Nora, you know, you keep getting dumped for these like small town bump. Find your own fucking small town bumpkin. Find your own lumberjack. Find your own owns a bakery. Like all the cliches of small towns. She's like, we're going to find you a man. And she's like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to go because I love you. Guess who she fucking runs into? (gasps) The other, the other agent guy. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck is Charlie doing here? Well, turns out Charlie hated that book because he's from that town. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even see that coming. I, I didn't like, see it coming. The fuck? I, I wasn't like the plot twist of him being there didn't catch me. But the fact that he was from there, I was like, ooh, OK. So it added layers to it because now 
you realize slowly but surely that the reason why he quote unquote hated the book is because he was like, she's romanticizing a small town like a lot of big city people do. And instead of actually going there, like she's talking about the town 20 years ago, not what it is now, which is like economically depressed. Most people have had to close their businesses. People are out of work, high levels of poverty. And this, you and I both come from small towns. We know this to be true, right? People glamorize small towns and it's actually like, incredibly difficult to live there but people because we just show up as tourists they're like isn't it quaint and you're like yeah try it's also me. super toxic to live in a small town oh yeah and this is the thing that i fucking loved about this book is that it doesn't go in either direction like it doesn't go that she moves to the small she goes to the small town for a month meets him and realizes oh my god i was meant for him and this town and that similarly he's from there and he's not saying it's a shithole he's saying we need to be respectful of the people who live here but also he's like i left because everybody's all up in your goddamn business and i couldn't make a name for myself i couldn't make it like you never outgrow how people saw you when you were five like all the very real things about living in a small town so then no joke so what we have is a classic enemies to lovers premise so she runs into charlie there's all this like the fuck are you doing here and then they're both kind of trying to suss each other out um and they slowly realize like we are the same person we are a carbon copy of each other but he had to return to his small town because his dad had his second stroke and they own the small town bookstore and so he had to come back to help the mom run the store while the dad recovers and then as they start falling for each other again it's just a month but as they start falling for each other and realizing like oh man we have a solid connection there's now this conflict of like, I have to go back to New York because that's where my life is. And frankly, Nora's like, I am a big city person. Like I've enjoyed my time here, but this isn't me. And he's like, I get it. I'm also a New York person, but I'm stuck here trying to help my family's business. And so they come up with this great plan. They save the bookstore the uh her sister instead of being cramped in her apartment in new york they get her a house in this small town and then she takes over the bookstore oh and then he is like okay we'll commute back and forth and we'll figure it out until everything gets settled um and then she's like okay and then goes back to new york and it's just like oh man long distance is not gonna work like it's just not gonna work and then he shows up at her favorite bookstore and is like surprise let's get married let's live in new york this is where we both want to be your sister's going to take care of the bookstore which means she's going to take care of my family we will go and visit tons because you're close with your sister and i'm close with my parents and we don't have to change who we are to be together renee I am not joking. I cried so hard at the end of this book because it was such, it was so pitch perfect. It was such a brilliant look at like playing up the tropes of rom-coms of like, oh, the small towns, you know, but also like it didn't end with people having to make these like, like, yeah, relationships take compromise, but like it didn't end in this like massive sacrifice where one of them is just going to like suck it up and enjoy being in the city or vice versa. You know, it was just these people who are like, small towns are lovely and re- we need to respect the folks who live there, but that's just not us. And we are people who love the hustle and bustle of a big city. And she's like, I'm really busy and I check my phone after hours and I give 110% to my clients. And he was like, and I wouldn't love you any other way. And you're like, as an ambitious woman who is self-employed and a total boss bitch, this was my fantasy. (laughs) And I think that's what spoke to me in ways that I did not expect going into it because I just was like, Oh man, this is fucking, this is what I think of as like, this is my ideal situation. Like, and that at no point is it ever like, like she's, you know, pokes fun at herself for being the stereotype of the like, you know, bustling New Yorker boss bitch woman. But like, she never has to stop being that. Cause she real, she's like, this is who I am. Like, I love my job. I'm passionate about my job. And I shouldn't have to downplay that to like get a man, you know? Yeah. It was so, yeah, it was so incredible. And so I love that. I loved like you, you know, coming from a small town. I loved how they fucking flipped this, these assumptions about small town stuff. 
and like how yeah there's this quaint image in your mind and so like when Nora goes she's like her sister because she's you know pregnant is like I you know they finally get to this small town she's like bitch I gotta take a fucking nap like I'm exhausted and Nora's like okay well I'm gonna go explore into the town and she goes and she's like oh shit this was a mistake like tons of shops with boarded up windows um you know for rent signs on businesses like just real like you could almost imagine tumbleweeds you know and her being like oh shit my sister is really expecting this like hallmark cute little quaint town and actually it's like extremely run down borderline ghost town um and then her trying to you know make her sister feel better about it but then also realizing like this is pretty fucked up like and what do we what is it does it actually help small communities to romanticize them if people are only going to come and spend tourism money and not actually like invest in the community, you know? Right. Right. And like, is it harmful? And like, they don't really answer the question necessarily, but it does pose that question of like, are all these Hallmark movies and these romances that romanticize the small town bakery and the small town bookstore and da 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 da. Like kind of damaging to do that and also to frame people who live in those in those same romance world like to frame people who live in cities and love living in cities as like stuck up or bitchy or you know think they're better than everyone like they really talk about how like Nora didn't think she was better than people in the small town she just was like this isn't for me but I don't think it's sh- a shithole it's just not where I want to live and i was like that's the fucking balance we need more of in this world like even within my own family like people assume that because i love living in a big like i love living in the city that that means i like look down on them for living in a town of you know 900 people and i'm like no fill your fucking boots it's just not for me like that's i like the energy of a city but you like the cool calm and collected go do you you know yeah yeah so big fan um and also you know so again if you want there was a little bit of spice it wasn't like real thirsty but it had some spice but the sexual tension was real good and all of the reviews talk about and i don't know if this is in our other books as well but all of the reviews i read after i read it was like oh my god the banter and that is this is what i've learned on this podcast is like i love some good sharp banter um maybe it's because it's like how i flirt with people like almost kind of mean <laughs> but they're cutting towards each other but like not in a way that's cruel but they're just like it's just like a ping pong like just back and forth and so like the banter is so good and like the sexual tension is believable as a result where they're both like super smart people who are just like poking at each other the relationship with the sister was like oh my god it was so beautiful and it didn't felt feel contrived at all and it was nice to have this like subplot be about family but not in the sense of her wrestling with like should i have children but like how do i make sure that my sister is happy in her life and again it wasn't like at no point did it come up that Nora was like a failure in life because she didn't have children and her sister had three and again it was just like i love my nieces and nephews i'm obsessed with these children obsessed with them don't want my own but i'm obsessed with these kids and the kids were like yeah we love auntie nora so it was just like we don't have to create conflict here where it doesn't exist women can just choose to live in a big city and not have children and still support their sister who's pregnant with their third child and living in a small town like i was like yes we can do this people (laughs) it's not that fucking hard (laughs) and that you can build tension in a story in other ways you know what i mean like it doesn't have to be these like cliched places where you're like oh this is where there needs to be conflict in this case it was literally two people who loved each other who were like it's just not geographically possible for us to happily be together and there's even a part where they're like negotiating like well i hate long distance and okay well and maybe we just like see each other when we see each other and they're like so like an open relationship and then charlie's like well i don't really want that but if you do and she's like no no no, i don't want that and he's like okay 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 so like not an open like they just like are it feels very authentic to like yeah. people in 2022 negotiating how do we be together when i'm in new york and you're in north carolina yeah and like even the conversation of like is it an open relationship like i'm like that was i really feel like that was that would be a conversation that you would have at this point in history anyway right yeah you know what i'm gonna say this you know i i'm noticing you know especially like maybe more prevalently this season 
like all the cliches and and the tropes and like even down to the underwear right and it's it's driving me fucking crazy <laughs> and um i think that's why me personally i'm looking for wilder and wilder things because i want more variety and i want to be surprised i don't want to be like oh he went down on her and oh that was her panties <laughs> you know and you're you're explaining a book from a very pro like successful author and you know there is a formula to writing a good story of course you know i like i took english classes in university i know that there's a, a formula exists but you can see the difference between somebody who really really knows what they're doing and what they're passionate about versus you know kind of like the dribble that I read <laughs> you know because like the, the stuff that I read it's like people are churning out these really quick and dirty weird novellas and they're all very textbook very you know you you know you can anticipate what's going to happen beyond the like clutching your pearl moments but in in this story it sounds like the layers weren't overdone. There wasn't like 4,000 characters, which really kills the story. Mm -hmm. It's like the layers were all connected in a really good way and in a realistic way. And, you know, it, it made you describing the story made me interested in the story versus like, I, I'm sh I guarantee that all the stuff I'm reading after I explain it to people, nobody has any desire to go read it because it's like, I just gave you all the highlights. Mm -hmm. Right. But yours is like, I want to read it. Like, it sounds very interesting. It sounds good. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. Like it, what I think was so good about it. And what, again, what other people like other reviews that I read have said is that it plays with the formula of rom-com, mm -hmm. yep. but subverts expectations, but still gives you the satisfaction that you love from like a Nora Ephron, like you've got mail and like all of these moves that are so, you know, it's complicated. Like all of these like true rom-coms that yeah are formulaic but like god damn they're satisfying you know like when harry met sally all those and that's how i felt with this is that it was like she's subverting romantic like the formula of a of a rom-com but still giving you that like satisfaction of like witty banter and like some tension and some sexual tension and like you know something's something's gonna happen at some point they're gonna have a breakup or there's gonna be a blow up or someone's gonna do something you know so you're like still in it, but yet it just felt like such a good like homage to like a true rom-com, which, you know, there's been lots of chatter lately. There's been a couple articles about how like people have a real appetite to go back to the heyday of the 90s with like solid rom-coms and like how now they're either like ironic or they go like really hard in the other direction or they're just like pure cheese like hallmark christmas movies but um mm. even hugh grant was doing an interview recently where he was like i think people really took for granted how it was like the heyday of solid rom-coms in the 90s um and people are hungry for it and i hope i don't know i feel like the pandemic will make people want just like some wholesome shit again and not everything just being like sarcastic and like self-referential and like all that stuff. like i love that shit but like sometimes you just want like a straightforward two hot people have a meet cute there's some cute banter there's a happily ever after like no one dies <laughs> or if they do it's like they were real old and they saw it coming you know like so this was like if you have an itch listeners if you have an itch for a smart rom-com that will give you the satisfaction of watching like hugh grant's killing it in the 90s um but that's still real feminist um and very well written then yeah pick up book lovers by emily henry i i will absolutely check out her other ones for sure um so yeah thanks to isabel because i would never have picked up this book never would have thought to if nothing else because it's real mainstream and we typically try to avoid that but but yeah in terms of spice like i'll give it a five out of five nothing else because the sexual tension like the scenes themselves weren't too intense but the tension like you believe that these people were into each other um and in terms of accoutrement because they keep coming back to her being a shark i was like what kind of shark sex toys exist <laughs> and i googled it and walmart had <laughs> the walmart website had a shark vibe um, that was waterproof, which I thought that's a nice touch. Um, and it's basically <laughs> like the old school rabbit. 
Okay. But it's like in the shape of a shark. Um, so that's what I'm going to give it. That's the accoutrement that I'm going to give it. She's a modern woman. I'm sure she has plenty of sex toys at home. And um, okay. I feel like she would love to subvert how cranky she was that people called her a shark by just rubbing one out with a shark vibe. So that was me. That was me this week. Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Shout out to Isabel for putting it in my hands. <sighs> giving girls those of us the career boss bitches hope that one day we'll find love too <laughs> renee <laughs> we've talked about my book for almost a half an hour yep tell yep. me tell me what did you read this week <laughs> okay <clears throat> so do you remember how i said there one of our listeners sent me a TikTok video and attached to that was a list of books that should be in jail. Yes. Yes. So I really wanted to read one. I really, really wanted to read one, but I, I wasn't ready for like people getting their eye sockets fucked. I wasn't ready for that. Um, so I went in a, in a different direction with some of the suggestions on the list. Um, my book is called Squeak. And Poppy is an artist. She's an art student. She's going to college. Um, and on this particular day, she is at the zoo. She's 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 has been drawing animals and things for her classes, but in, in this case, she's drawing people. And it's really, really hot. And this she's like, okay, I gotta go get some water or something. But she has all of her art supplies out. So she's like, oh gosh, do I like risk it and run over to the fountain or do and like leave my stuff, or do I take it all and then go? And as she's thinking this, a guy pops up and he's like, hey, um, you know, I can watch your things if you like. And she's like, um, what? And she looks at this guy and he's gorgeous. He's just this gorgeous, gorgeous man, you know, tall, dark, handsome, beautiful curls. And he's holding a big thing of balloons. And it's because he works at the zoo. He sells balloons. Um, and he's like, you know, oh, if you're looking for the washroom, like I can, I can watch your things. And she's like, actually, I was just going to go get some water. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but, um, some kid climbed on the water fountain and it broke. And she's like, she's like, oh shoot. Okay. He's like, but you know what? I'm about to have my break. Come with me. I'll take you over to the canteen where my friend works and I'll get you some water. And she's like, okay. She's like, sure. Now she has experience with guys. She has like she's an artist right so she's she's imaginative she's colorful she's all of these things she's got bright 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 red hair um and um she's worried this guy's like a dick but like she, he seems really trustworthy he seems genuinely you know friendly and and you know doesn't seem like he's hitting on her he just wants to you know get her some water and like hang out right so she's like okay let's go get this water and he's like, great. He's like, just so you know, though, my friend, you know, it's it's hot and he's he's kind of, you know, grumpy. He's kind of a grumpy guy. Don't take it personally. You know, it's just the way he is. Don't sweat it. And she's like, OK. Um, so we learn that he and his friend are actually lovers um, and they are living on the DL. So she goes with this guy who we learn his name is Sebastian and you know how I feel about that name but uh -huh. he's okay he's an alright Sebastian it's fine so Sebastian takes her over to the canteen and there this other smoke show who's looking real grumpy is like who the fuck is this and he's like ah oh, we're just here like get some water don't sweat it and his name is Keen so they're kind of hanging out but he's being really grumpy and so Poppy, who's the young lady in this, is like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go. I have, I'm gonna go home. I've got stuff to do. And so Sebastian's like, okay, cool. You know what? Um, maybe we'll see each other around sometime. And she's like, okay, haha. So then this conversation starts between Keen and Sebastian, where Keen's like, who the fuck was that? Like, why, why are you with her? Like, she's like, she, he gets really jealous. And we learn the reason that he's jealous is because they have escaped a fortune teller named Zena because they were both in the carnival. They lived at a carnival, but here's the thing. Not only did they live at a carnival, Julie, they were created at the carnival. Oh my. Be 
Yeah. So Zena not only is a fortune teller, she's also, uh, how do I even say this? A tulpamancer. What is tulpamancy, you might ask? <laughs> I'm gonna I ask. learned all about it. I learned all about <laughs> oh, it. No. So a tulpa, okay, a tulpa is like an imaginary friend, okay? But it's an imaginary friend that over time becomes sentient. And this is a real thing, okay? Tulpamancy is a real thing. So you know how like... Okay. You know how like on the internet there are guys who are like, this is my wife Mika-san, and it's like an anime pillow. Yes. But like to them, like it's real. Like Mika-san can talk. Like Mika-san is a real thing. So that's what a tulpa is. A tulpa is an imaginary friend, imaginary character that over a se- like a period of time and a process called forcing, they become sentient. So it's no longer that the person in the situation is controlling the thoughts and actions of this imaginary friend it's that the imaginary friend behaves and acts of its own accord and it's a real thing this is a real fucking thing julie people are really doing this okay so i'm not gonna listen listen it what separates a tulpa from an imaginary friend is that once fully formed after months of a process called forcing a tulpa will act autonomously and in some cases a tulpa can um talk through a person or can possess a person so like i'm thinking like almost like disassociative identity disorder you know yeah, like 100 that's where i'm going yeah <laughs> yeah but it's not that it's not that it's not a person neg- like covering up a trauma with another identity it's that they create they they believe so much in this thing that they've come up with that it exists it exists it's like a real fe- fixture in a in a room basically so like think like bronies you know mm-hmm. how they want to like fuck my little pony that could be a tulpa right to them it's real tulpa is a real thing so in this story sebastian and keen were balloon animals they were, they were real balloon animals. They were real things. And then Xena used her tulpamancy to turn them into men. But she was really, like, shitty and abusive and basically only created them to service her. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they're kind of imaginary but also alive, um, like, they can, like move their body parts around and stuff so they're actually balloon shifters so my book was about (laughs) balloon shifters okay so they were able to escape by uh reading some books on tulpamancy because xena isn't a natural born tulpamancer xena just kind of borrowed the magic or learned about it or whatever. And so they learned about how to protect themselves using sigils and they were able to get away. But they know it's a matter of time because they're far away from their creator. So they're not going to live much longer. They're going to turn back they're going to turn back into balloons and cease to exist. So they don't want that. They love each other. They want to be together. So Sebastian met Poppy and was like, you know what? She's an artist. She can properly draw these sigils that we need. To break this connection and the spell will be truly free. Um, also, because they're not technically human, they can't put like the amount of intention into a sigil that a human could. That's a whole magic thing. We don't need to get into it, but like that's kind of where they're at. But Keen like fucking hates this woman because he's his experience with women is this one woman who enslaved them and hurt them and came between them. So he doesn't trust this poppy girl. Okay. So that's all that. So poppy draws keen for one of her art classes, because like, I guess the, the theme they had to do was like seriousness. So she drew him because he's super serious. And, um, she decides to go back to the zoo to kind of get a better look at his face for her drawing. Um, and he's fucking livid. But Sebastian's like, hey, girl, 
and like so happy. And he's like sitting down with her and chatting and Keen is like getting really pissed about it. Um, but he's talking to her like, you know, well, um, you know, are, are, can you, can we pay you money to draw things for us? And she's like, like a commission. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, can we give you like $500 to draw a thing? And she thinks that he's inviting her to draw them fucking. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, you could do that. I'll see you on Friday and we'll do that. And so I guess he, Sebastian goes back to Keen and he's like, guess what? I got her. She's going to help us. And he's like, well, I expect. I expressly told you that I didn't want to work with this woman and you went and you did it anyway. And so then they have to like go through their feelings about how like, you know, they're scared to lose each other. But at the same time, it's like they're also behaving in a way that's toxic to one another. But they're also just babies. They don't they don't have any life experience because they were balloons and they uh, don't know what it's like to be grown ups, basically. So uh they have this conversation. And so Keen decides, you know, I don't need Poppy to do this for us if I find another artist. And he knows that she was a college student. So he decides the next day he's going to go to the art college and find another artist to do this for him. He's also going to go to the library because he seems to have all the parts he needs for this sigil to break the spell. Um, but he needs to go to the library to find one more book. So they have like a whole bunch of books. I don't know where they got them, um, but he's been pouring over them as much as possible. So one cute little fact is that they, because they do fuck, um, their their dicks are balloons. And like, the, and so what they do is like when they kiss and when they blow each other, they're like either blowing in air to each other or sucking out air. And it like can shift their penises and stuff. It's really weird. Um, but then also because they are balloons they can shift back into balloons and so that's how they save money on rent by shifting in 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 the balloons and just living as balloons so they don't have to get an apartment oh my god but anyway so oh also when they come it's funnel cake fuck off because they're 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 of the carnival, Julie. Oh they're of, uh, my they're god! Of the, how does this carnies. book end? Like, how do you even wrap that up? Like, okay, that's buckle just, up. I'm like, it, how could where could this story even go? It it took it took a turn I was not expecting. Oh, okay. And uh, you know what? It, I actually loved this book. So, um, so Keen goes to the college, and. Mm-hmm. He goes into a building and then there's this professor who they describe kind of like Severus Snape, which I also loved. Uh, But he's like, oh, you're here. Quick. Come on in. Come on in. Go put on the bathrobe and then come out. And he's like, he realizes that he's he's not supposed to be at the school. So he just complies. And so they have they have him be the model for like a new drawing class. But who comes in? Poppy. And she's like, oh, my God, you're here. Okay, Um, because she was trying to coordinate the nude model for this she came in to say like oh the other model couldn't make it but then this guy is here so she's like she just plays along so afterwards um she goes to take him to the back to change um and he learns that she was confused like she she was offering to draw them getting busy not she doesn't actually know what's going on and for whatever reason his attitude about her changes and he gets like really into her and then they like they fuck but they also bite each other and also because his dick is a balloon he knots her so turns out that they bond with one another that he's a balloon alpha shifter and she is an omega and but she's on a balloon. She's just an omega. But we'll come back. We'll come back. There's there's more to it. So they leave together and they go back to the the canteen. And Sebastian's like, hey, um, look, look, like you did you even read this one particular book that's red, which is the color of his balloon, by the way. He's a red balloon and Keen is a purple balloon, but I digress. So um, he's like, did you even read this red book? Because it talks all about tulpamancy and 
like all the things that we need to we need to be aware of but like oh hey why are you guys together why are you holding hands and then well they bit each other and stuff so he's like oh my god you guys are bonded to each other you've made it and so he's kind of heartbroken but he's also happy because he's like well she's here but here's what the what the twist is julie is that it turns out that poppy is like a natural born tulpamancer and she had no idea and Mm -hmm. so by them bonding she actually freed him from this like connection he had to this like pretend tulpamancer but then there still leaves sebastian sebastian's out there and normally they go really in depth into alpha omega dynamics within the balloon omega verse um situation that's happening um but like they're not pushing him away and like even though she's super horny uh you know she's they're still welcoming him so then they decide what if we try to bond all three of us and so they do they do and then um they're free but xena shows up and um because poppy is out of her heat by this point um, she decides as a more powerful telpomancer, right? Because she's naturally born telpomancer. She decides to take Xena on herself and pushes her out onto like the balcony of her apartment. And then they fill her up with helium and blow her away. And uh, that's, that's how it ends. So it's hap- happily ever after for these balloon shifters and their mate, Poppy the artist. They never had to draw a sigil at all. The end. Wow. You're not me. Was it spicy? It was. Really? It was surprisingly spicy. Uh, surprisingly spicy. You know what the 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 balloonness of them was not a tremendous factor in the love making, okay. although it did come up. I mean, it um, would. It would, but they didn't turn into like little balloon animals. They just uh, they just their their skin is balloony. Um, yeah, didn't hate this book. Actually, I really enjoyed it. I really How went down in deep. It was fifty-four pages. It wasn't oh, very long. That's a lot in fifty-four pages. I know, and it was really good. Now the the author is Vera Valentine, and Vera has an incredibly, um, I want to say eclectic catalog of books. Um, I would read her again. Her books, her book was fucking. It was good. It was good. Now. There is a sequel that I can pre-order called uh, Squeal, a Squeakquel, like the chipmunk movie, which I thought was fun. Um, <sighs> didn't didn't hate this. She's got Mothman books. She's got lots of cryptid books. She's got all kinds of flavors. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep reading her books. They're good. They're good. I liked this book. It, I don't think this book deserves to be in jail just because it's a little colorful. It wasn't problematic. They had really good conversations about what it means to be in love and uh, what that looks like for them as 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 a triad. So uh, 10 out of 10 for 10 out of 10. Oh, my God. I love you to death. But goddamn, we could not be different people. <laughs> We could not be any more different than we are. Maybe it's because I grew up with a mom who was a professional clown, but I just cannot get past balloons who jizz funnel cake. Like, I can't. You know what? You never never imagined a dick just squirting funnel cake in your mouth? Weirdly, I have not. But I will now. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's what I liked about the books, okay? Mm-hmm. I liked how they described giving a blowjob like balloons. I liked um, that she really liked well, when she got over the fact that they were balloons. Um, she liked to to see them in their balloon skin mm-hmm. um, and like see the colors through them because they're like they're they're see through balloons. Oh. Um, which I thought was really, really fun. Um, I liked that she, when they fuck, they squeak. I thought that was fun. Um, I like that um, 
at one point they decided that they were they were going to have like a dp situation um and then what she did because she's creative right she's she's a tulpamancer she's got a great imagination so what she did was she turned one of their penises into anal beats and then use that um and then the other one is just a balloon penis um with a big old knot on it uh loved that that's creative um i've never read a more creative story i'm gonna be real like i i was i was thinking it was gonna be like oh damn my panties never once talked about her panties never once so points for that (laughs) um i didn't learn anything about her panties i don't even know if she wears them who knows um it was good. I don't, I don't know what to say. It was good. So what are you um, going to read? That's a really, really good question. I'm just going to read maybe the end of the book. Sure. Okay. 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 Back at Poppy's apartment, in a brief window of lucidity, we'd agreed to try an additional mate bond. What she'd done with Keen couldn't be undone, and he and I didn't want to leave one another. Hearing Keen declare his love for me, knowing he was in full rut with his Omega mate, was the only proof I'd ever need that he well and truly loved me. Not because of shared trauma or even magical makeup, but because of who we were as creative beings. We dragged every soft pillow blanket and throw in her apartment into the bedroom, making a soft, dimly lit divot for the three of us to ride out the heat cycle. I breathlessly watched Poppy and Keen enjoy another round with one another, a, a little sense coming back to her as his knot soothed her wild omega needs. Keen and I showed Poppy how to kiss and pull breath back to adjust our knots if she wanted, uh, but her smile told me she wouldn't be doing that often. She did it in the nest, however, to make room for me. I drew her legs up onto my shoulders as I slid in, a freshly satiated Keen holding my base to offer us the perfect glide of connection. When I bent down to gently bite the soft, delicate flesh of her thighs against my shoulder, I knew precisely what I'd been created for. This. Poppy, after an initial adjustment period, had marveled over how bright and colorful we were in partial shift, pulling us over to fuck by the windows so she could watch the slant of deep purple and bright red sunlight through our translucent hollow bodies. With a mischievous grin, she aggressively wrestled me on the carpet for long moments, giggling wildly. When I caught my breath from laughing, she shoved me against the wall, bending over in front of me to taunt me uh, into taking her again. As eager as I was, I couldn't move a muscle, a predicament that Keen laughed uproariously at. She called this magic static electricity and seemed oddly excited it finally messed up my perfect hair. On the last day of Poppy's heat, Xena finally found us. By then, it was far too late. Our bonds were well and truly sealed, and even our old keeper's dramatic door-crashing entrance into Poppy's apartment couldn't separate our new family. Heat deadly and furious, our Omega, Tulpamancer, let instinct guide her in removing a rival from her nest, shoving our former tormentor out onto the balcony. Once there, she simply grabbed her by the hair, passing a disgusted, loveless kiss to her lips, a kiss of death from one true tulpamancer to a false one. Both Keen and I learned something in that moment. Humans certainly weren't meant to be filled with helium, but could be with enough determination. And if you filled them with enough helium, they'd literally float away until they became the airless stratosphere's problem rather than the Earth's. We closed the balcony doors, Poppy brushed her teeth half a dozen times, and we settled back into the nest. It was a strange and beautiful happily ever after. We made it our solemn mission, even after the heat ended, to find out all the ways that two balloons and an open-minded, mostly human woman could twist themselves up in pleasure. And that was Squeak, a balloon animal Omegaverse tale by Vera Valentine. I'm looking forward to the Squeakquel. You would. Can't wait. I wonder what wacky carnival adventures they'll get up to next now um (laughs) the only thing i will say is that is as spicy as i found this book i could never participate in something like this as they're made of latex and would turn me into a mess of allergy so that is true i have my childhood trauma of growing up around balloons and you have your latex (laughs) allergy so the two of us could not partake no so i mean like maybe if I could recommend one thing, it would be either like a body condom that was non-latex mm-hmm. or just non-latex men. Oh, yeah. Like I would still take I would still take balloon men, but like non not latex balloon men. 
Jesus Christ. Well. Just saying. I know it's good. That's all, that's all I got to <laughs> say. You know what? You know what you like. And no one could ever accuse you otherwise. Like you very you. clearly know what you enjoy. And I respect that about you. I really do. You know what? I am not. We're, we're obviously we're not here to yuck our listeners yums. We're not here to yuck the yums of, you know, uh, people who are in the world. And if I were to yuck a yum before I read a book, I would never find out if it was yum. That is true. That is true. There needs to be room, even in our consent conversations, for maybe. You know? Yeah. Oftentimes we talk about it in these black and whites, like, yes, I'm 100% into this, or no, I'm 100% not. But sometimes you don't know if you're into something until you try it, or until you read it, or until you listen 100%. to it. So we're here to, clear. to help you find all of your fantasies, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Doing the dirty work for you. I, uh, you know, I, I focused a lot on the the tulpamancy and uh the the balloon shifterness of the stories but i want to i want to point out they had very beautiful conversations around consent and around love and relationships and supporting your partner even if it meant that you couldn't be with them um so this book this book had everything <laughs> and that shows that actually our two books do have quite a bit in common in terms of <laughs> Trying to, you know, meet each other's needs without having to compromise too much of who we are. I mean, fundamentally, there is a through wow. line through both of our books. You know what? Romance intersects. <laughs> <laughs> all I can say. Incredible. Wow. What are you reading? I'm going to end us on like a very chaste <laughs> note. Um, and this is just a little scene, a couple pages that I'm going to read you um, of like the banter, the kind of flirtiness. So this is, they're in the town. They realize they're both in the town at the same time. And they are at this dive bar. And she says, they kind of talked a little bit about why they're there, but they're still being real cagey with each other because they don't trust each other yet. So this is them trying to, in a flirty way, um, figure out why are you really here? No, why are you really here? So okay, Nora, again, is the book agent from New York. Charlie is the book editor from New York, but really from the small town. <clears throat> How about, Charlie says, a game of pool. If I win, you tell me why you're really here. And if you do, I'll tell you about my day. I snort and look away, hiding my lying dimple as I tuck my phone into my bag, having confirmed that Libby made it home safely. So she sent her pregnant sister was like, ooh, I see that you're flirting with someone. Oh, I'm tired. I need to go home and like make up an excuse to leave. Um, so now that she knows her sister made it home safely back to their cottage they were renting, she's like, okay. But she's like, I don't play pool. Or... I haven't since college, she thinks. When my roommate and I used to shark frat boys weekly. Darts? Charlie suggests. I arch a brow. You want me to hand you want to hand me a weapon after the turn my knight has taken? He leans close, eyes shining in the dim bar lighting. I'll play left-handed then. Maybe I don't want to hand you a weapon either, I say. Left-handed pool then. I study him. Neither of us blinks. We're basically having a sixth grade style staring contest. And the longer it goes on, the more the air seems to thrum with more metaphysical buildup of energy. I slink off my stool, drain my second beer and say, fine. We make our way back to the only open table. It's darker on this side of the restaurant. The floor is stickier with spilled booze and the smell of beer emanates from the walls. Charlie grabs a pull cue and a rack and starts gathering the balls in the center of the felt table. You know the rules? He asks, peering up at me. One of us is stripes and one of us is solids. He takes the blue chalk cube from the edge of the table and works it over the pull cue. You want to go first? You're going to teach me, right? I'm trying to look innocent, to look like Libby, batting her eyelashes. Charlie stares at me. I really wonder what you think your face is really doing right now, Stevens. I narrow my eyes. He narrows his back in an exaggerated way. Why do you care why I'm here? I ask. Morbid curiosity. Why do you care about my bad day? Always helpful to know your opponent's weaknesses. He holds the cue out to me. You first. I take the stip, stick, flop it onto the edge of the table, and look over my shoulder. Isn't now the part where you're supposed to put your arms around me and show me how to do it? His mouth curves. That depends. Are you carrying any weapons? The sharpest thing on me right now is my teeth. 
I settle over the queue, holding it like I've only like I've never played pool before, but have quite possibly only just discovered that I have hands. Charlie's <laughs> smell, warm and uncannily familiar, invades my nose as he positions himself behind me, barely touching. Oh my gosh, sorry. I thought I was gonna sneeze. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were crying. No, no, no. I, was like, <laughs> I can feel the front of his sweater graze my bare spine, my skin tingling at the friction, and his arms fold over mine as his mouth drops beside my ear. Loosen your grip. His low voice vibrates through me, his breath warm on my jaw as he pries my fingers from the cue and readjusts them. The front hands for aiming. You're not going to move it. The momentum. His palm scrapes down my elbow until he catches my wrist and drags it back along the cue toward my hip. We'll come from here. You just want to keep the stick straight when you're starting out and aim as if you're lining up perfectly with the ball you want to sink. Got it, I say. His hands slide clear of me and I will the goosebumps on my skin to settle as I line up my shot. One thing I forgot to mention, I snap the stick into the cue ball, sending the solid blue one across the table into the pocket, is that I did used to play. I walk past Charlie to line up my next shot. And here I thought I was just a really good teacher, he says flatly. I pocket the green ball next and then miss the burgundy one. When I chance a glance at him, he looks not only unsurprised, but downright smug, like I've proven a point. He pulls the cue from my hands and circles the table, eyeing several options for his first shot after choosing the green stripe ball and getting into position. And I guess I should have mentioned, he taps the cue ball, which sends the green striped ball into the pocket, the purple striped ball sinking right behind it. I actually am left-handed. I jam my mouth. Oh. <laughs> I jam my mouth closed when he looks at me on his way to line up the next shot. This time he pockets the orange stripe ball, then the burgundy one before finally missing on his next turn. He sticks his lip out like he did like I did like blah, like he did when I teased him about bad memories. Would it help the sting if I bought you another beer? I yank the stick from his hand. Make it a martini and get yourself one too. You're gonna need it. And then Ooh. they eventually she wins, then he wins, then they have a tiebreaker. Then they just get real wasted on martinis and then back end up back at her cottage, madly making out against the door. And then finally they're like, what the fuck are we doing? Let's pretend this never happened. But they can't. How could they possibly? Right? I mean, they're two peas in a pod. What a wonderful like What's that? Like as we're two peas we on a pod. We are two opposite. Because what's that Paul Abdul song? What opposites attract? Um, but in their case, they're... <laughs> what is it? She's talking about them, that song? Yes. Is that the song where she has like a cartoon? Yeah. In I the so. in the music video? Where it's like her yeah. dancing with like Mickey Mouse or some shit? Anyways. That's for... Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's a thousand other references about opposites. <laughs> but I literally always... When someone says opposites attracts, in my mind, I'm like, opposites attract. <laughs> I think of Ms. Paula Abdul. This week was, I mean, I just love it. I love, 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 love the directions that we went in. Uh, what are we doing next week, Renee? Trolls. Trolls. Ooh, trolls. I can't, I can't believe you. Oh, I can't believe you suggested trolls. First and foremost, listeners need to know mm -hmm. that this was Julie Lalone's suggestion. <laughs> um, maybe it's just because my birthday is coming up. You know, because that is the perfect thing to give me is a reason to read about trolls. <laughs> just a little sweet treat for you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And so, yeah, it could be internet trolls. It could be literal trolls under a bridge. It could be trolls like with the little gems like that we grew up with in the 90s. It could be trolls like the cartoons. Any kind of trolls. That is our mission for next week. Dying to know what we pull out oh my god i hope i find one where it's like a billy goat shifter <laughs> is crossing a bridge and there's a troll and he's like mm -mm, you can't cross this bridge and he's like watch me and then they fuck that'd be all right <laughs> that'd be all right <laughs> we'll just know it probably exists and if it doesn't this feels like you planting a flag in the ground that you're going to write that because the fact that you instantaneously thought of that premise tells me that you have a book inside you that needs to be written. <laughs> or at least already, a short story. <laughs> I've already got two on the go and they're going nowhere. <laughs> well, you are an idea factory. And for that, I salute you because Thank I would you. not have gone there. But here you are just 
killing at life. Um, <laughs> this was super fun, as always. Thank you, listeners, for continuing to join us on this wild, wacky adventure. And let this week be proof that we really do listen to your suggestions. Renee's book was a suggestion from a listener. Like the list was brought to her attention. My book was bought for me by my friend who's a listener and a supporter. So we really do listen when you slide into our DMs and suggest things for us. So keep it up, folks. We love it. We do love it. I watch every video you send me, even if I've seen it. And even if I have shared it myself, I will watch it. And I will tell you that I love it because I love you. Yeah. And I love your commitment to the show and um, making us laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thanks for joining us on this wild adventure, friends. And of course, thank you to you, Renee, as always. And to you, Julie. Uh, you want to do your thing? You want to do your little cha cha? I'll slide? do my thing. Okay. My little cha cha slide. <laughs> Opposites <laughs> attract. <laughs> Ravage love, ravage love. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F U S. H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at RavageLove on Instagram and Twitter or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com.